Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, presented by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. Our sponsor for this podcast is Trinity Rail, which continues to be your premier provider of integrated rail transportation products and services. From rail car leasing and manufacturing to maintenance parts and much more, Trinity Rail remains ready to deliver targeted solutions to meet any rail transportation requirement. Call Trinity Rail at 1-800-631-4420 or go to trinityrail.com to learn how the company can help solve today's problems and better prepare you for tomorrow's opportunities. Today, more than ever, Trinity Rail is built to deliver. For the first time in the nearly 200-year-old history of North American railroading, a woman has been named chief executive of a Class I railroad. On January 1, 2021, BNSF Executive Vice President Operations Catherine M. Cady Farmer will succeed Carl R. Ice as President and Chief Executive Officer. She will also assume leadership of BNSF's Board of Directors. Carl Ice will retire at the end of 2020 and remain on the company's board. Katie, who has been EVP operations since September 2018, has spent her entire 28-year railroading career with BNSF, joining predecessor Burlington Northern as a 22-year-old management trainee in 1992. She has held leadership positions in every major function of the company, including operations, marketing, and finance. Prior to EVP operations, Katie was VP Service Design and Transportation Support, Group VP Consumer Products, VP Domestic Intermodal, and VP Industrial Products. Katie graduated from Texas Christian University's MJ Neely School of Business with a Bachelor of Business Administration and earned an MBA in finance from TCU. Here now are Katie Farmer and Railway Age Executive Editor Mary Beth Luzak. Well, again, congratulations, Katie, and thanks so much for taking the time with us today. We really appreciate being able to talk with you, and it's just such a pleasure. Uh, To start, we wanted to find out a little bit about what prompted you to join Burlington Northern and and really get into railroading. Were you attracted to a railroading career at the outset, or or, uh, tell us? Well, so I am a proud graduate of Texas Christian University here in Fort Worth. And I um, learned about an opportunity with what was then the former Burlington Northern, the predecessor of of BNSF, um, learned about an opportunity for an internship. And I applied for an internship that was between my junior year of college and my senior year of college and was awarded the internship and um, actually working in our engineering department. And um, that began what is now a a 28-year career. Um, I, I think what what attracted me to the rail industry back then and what's really true today is the, um, I I think it was the importance of what the rail industry does and the relevancy even today um, that that it has. um, And and just that the the railroad is really, if you think about it, the backbone of the US economy. Um, And and I liked that aspect of it. I was attracted from the very beginning um, to that aspect of it. And so I think that through the pandemic, we have seen that with great clarity. Um, and BNSF has delivered 
you know, critical PPE equipment to the front lines. We've helped restock the shelves during the pandemic. Um, and, and so I think that um, we make a difference. And um, that's because of our employees, you know, the hardworking men and women at BNSF, and they're making a difference every day. And on a personal note, I, I have a, a son that is a senior in college and a daughter that is a freshman in college. And as they think about their careers and what they want to do, um, doing something that makes a difference is a big draw for them. And, and I think that's as relevant today as it was for me almost 30 years ago now. Sure. It kind of leads to my next question. As a leader, encouraging more people either just starting out or looking to a new direction in their careers, what would you say to someone like that and to consider a career in railroading? And how do you retain current talent too? That's an, kind of builds on that. Sure. So I think it's the same way that I found railroading, which is helping people, um, helping more people, more college age students to see the uh, importance of railroading. And, and I work hard to do that. I, I, I um, actually do a lab over at TCU where I talk to juniors in college and try to get them enthusiastic about the rail industry and the importance of what we do. And oftentimes they're really surprised um, to learn um, what it is that we do and the impact that we have on uh, the economy and, and the day-to-day -day things that they you know, might take for granted. They don't realize the railroad's impact. And you know, I think that if we, what I often tell them is if you look back to our predecessor history, we have 170 years of history, but we're as relevant and as important today as we were back then. And so I, I think that's, that's a big, that, as I mentioned, that's a, that's a big draw. And I think that that will help to encourage people to be attracted to it. As far as, as retention, you know, we focus on that a lot at BNSF. And I, I think that it really is about uh, creating an environment that talented people want to come and work in, talented people that want to make a difference. And so when you, when you combine talented people that enjoy what they do, they like the environment they work in, and they feel like they're making a difference, then typically we find that those are the folks that want to make a career out of railroading, very much like myself. Sure. Do you have a, like a recruitment program, let's say, that you are going to maybe increase or consider more diversity or... Yeah, so um, let me just start by saying that um, diversity um, and in the BNSF community, BNSF employees should expect to be treated with dignity and respect. Um, that is, Mary Beth, um, foundational. Diversity and inclusion is foundational to, to what we do. Uh, it's, it's a part of our recruiting efforts. Um, it is not only foundational to what we do, but it, it's really been key to our success. Um, and so um, we absolutely, through our recruiting efforts, um, are looking to bring talented um, employees that, that I just talked about, that, that bring a diversity of background and experiences to the railroad. And so we, we absolutely have um, a broad uh, group of recruiting efforts that we use at BNSF. And, and we've been very fortunate that we've been able to attract really talented folks. Um, but, but again, with that, we know also that this is a journey. All of this is a journey. And, um, and we want to continue to um, make an impact on our recruiting, um, as well as, um, as our efforts around, as I just mentioned, diversity and inclusion. Um, maybe if I could just talk a little bit about that some more. You asked specifically about some of our, our efforts. And, and some of the things we share with folks when we're recruiting is um, we provide mentoring programs. Um, I, I can talk a little bit about my background with mentoring programs. 
Um, we, we also have what we call business resource groups and diversity councils. Those don't just exist in Fort Worth. They, they uh, exist across our system because we're recruiting. Obviously, we have 36,000 employees across the entire country. Um, and so, so we absolutely focus on giving folks resources that um, through the recruiting efforts, they can be um, feel comfortable that when they come to work for the railroad, that we're creating that, that network and that connection for them. Um, so again, it, it's through those actions and, and, and also through our recruiting efforts that, that we believe that we create a culture that, that makes people want to come to work for the railroad and specifically for BNSF. Sure. How do you keep the inclusion going after recruitment and, and now with retaining that could go along with retaining your employees, but how do you keep that going? Yeah, absolutely. So again, we, um, it, it's really the, the programs that I mentioned, which are, you know, um, we make it personal because um, uh, retention is personal. You, you often don't hear people say in an exit view that they left because of money, right? That people leave because they don't feel a connection. And sure. so, so that's what we focus on at BNSF, and it's through the programs that I talked about, um, mentoring programs. So we have one-on-one -on -one mentoring programs. We have circle mentoring programs where you take one leader with many employees. Um, and, and then, as I mentioned, we have um, uh, uh, programs throughout our, our network that really give, give people that connection. Because it's hard when you work in, a, you know, in an outdoor assembly line and people are, are separated by geography and distance. That's something we focus very hard on is making people feel connected. Now you're moving into the top spot as an operating executive, and I wondered your thoughts on precision scheduled railroading. BNSF has not been um, embracing that, and I was curious your approach going forward. Well, um, let me start by saying that I really don't like to comment on other railroads operating philosophies, but, but Mary Beth, what I can tell you is how we think about our railroad and our operating philosophy at BNSF. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we, as you know well, are tied to very closely to the industrial economy and the consumer economies. And if you look back over time, there have been peaks and valleys in, in volumes. And so what we believe at BNSF is that we have to have a bias for growth. And, and what that means is that we position ourselves to be flexible enough that when we have opportunities for growth, that we capture those growth opportunities. And to do that, you have to have a competitive cost structure. And so we are very focused, we have a relentless focus on efficiency, productivity, and having, as I mentioned, that, that competitive cost structure. And when you, when you have a competitive cost structure and you have a focus on growth and you can receive value for the services you provide, that gives you a, a great opportunity to have a, a return that justifies investment in capacity. And when you can invest in capacity, it positions yourself to be able to say yes to customers. And that's our business model. We want to be able to say yes to customers. And, um, Mary Beth, it, it, it's a philosophy that we have had since the beginning. It's a philosophy we have now, and it's a philosophy that we will have uh, going forward. As service recovers, well, we hope, uh, in a post-COVID world, where do you see opportunities for BNSF revenue growth? Sure. So let me, let me just talk a little bit about where we've been during the pandemic and where we are right now. Um, as I mentioned, we are very closely tied to the industrial economy and the consumer economy. And um, as such, we, we look at typically rail loadings 
as a leading indicator of what's going to, what's going on in the economy. And so I use that as a barometer to look at how busy are we? What's the state of the railroad? And so to give you some perspective on that, in the depth of the pandemic, we were loading about 150,000 units a week. Fast forward, um, we are now in the 200,000 unit a week range. So that just gives you some perspective on the impact of the pandemic. What has helped lead us out of that, that kind of the bottom of that, those rail loadings definitely has been our consumer products business. And, and as you know well, that's our domestic intermodal, our international intermodal, and our automotive business. And um, we have absolutely seen volume increase quickly in that business. I think it's, I think it's a couple of reasons. One, I think that um, over the road capacity has tightened. We know for sure that there is a restocking going on in the supply chain. So we're helping to refill the distribution centers. Um, and then something that we were, were seeing obviously in this country before the pandemic was the move from bricks and mortar to retailing, uh, online retailing. Right. And we, we certainly saw that before the pandemic, but we absolutely have seen that uh, accelerated as we've moved uh, through the pandemic. And we're excited about that. We think that that is a great fit for our railroad and our ability to provide service to our customers. As, as you know, we have the largest intermodal network in the world, um, the fastest, most consistent network. And that's a great match for what um, our customers need at this point, working closely with the large retailers, the steamship companies, the trucking companies. Um, we believe that, that going forward, that's going to be a growth a great mutual opportunity in that space. Um, it, that hasn't been the case across the board for us as far as those kind of peak-like volumes that we're seeing. Um, in, in our industrial products business, um, we have seen a more gradual increase in volume. Anything tied to energy has really struggled to, to, to rebound. So for us, that's sand, um, it's any kind of petroleum product, sand that we use for fracking, any kind of petroleum product. Um, and uh, we, we really have not seen that rebound. On the flip side of that, you know, it, it, the industrial products business is really the kind of this market basket of commodities. On the flip side of that, anything related to construction or housing has done a nice job, uh, or ha we have seen a nice increase in, in that. So it's really kind of a mixed bag there. And then I think on, on the agricultural commodities side, probably the, the part of our business that was least impacted by the, by the pandemic. Um, and that's, you know, frankly, because people need to continue to eat through a pandemic. And so we have seen um, a strong volume through the pandemic. And we would anticipate moving into the fourth quarter that we will see a strong export program and, and, and that we should continue to see that, that business. And that will continue to be a mainstay for BNSF um, in the future. And, and, and then finally, um, coal. So we um, saw a structural decline in coal that was happening prior to the pandemic. And then the pandemic, unfortunately, we, we saw reduced demand for electricity demand um, or electricity and uh, low natural gas prices. And then while we at the railroad were happy to see a mild winter, um, unfortunately, that didn't bode well for coal as well. So, so those volumes have stabilized now coming out of the pandemic, but certainly were impacted by, by the, the lockdown and the shutdown in the, that the country saw during the pandemic. So really a mixed bag for us, but we certainly, as you mentioned, um, think that that parcel shipments, truckload shipments, anything in our consumer products business um, will continue to be strong through the balance of the year. 
What about going forward? What are you thinking in terms of capital investments and assets and infrastructure? Sure. So we look at um, capital investments through the lens of that business model that I talked about. Um, And so we look at capital and align that with that business model. We want to continue to invest in um, places where it helps us to be able to say yes to our customers as well as it helps with the uh, efficiency and productivity of our railroad, as well as it drives improved service and and ease of doing business for our customers. And so that's our long-term perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. If I think about specifically where we are in the short term, um, we also though have to work to match uh, our resources with the demands that we're seeing. And when when I talk about our resources specifically, what I'm talking about is you know, our locomotives, our track capacity, our terminal capacity, our workforce. Um, And so we are working very hard to try to match those resources with um, the the changes that we're seeing in in the volumes. Um, One of the things, though, that we are very consistent about and that BNSF has demonstrated over a long period of time is our uh, commitment to investing in the integrity of our infrastructure. And so even through periods where volumes have been lower, we have continued to maintain that part of our capital plan. So, so for example, this year, we have a capital plan that's around $3 billion. We'll spend about $2.4 billion of that on that infrastructure. So replacing ties, ballast, relaying track. Um, that's important for us because we, we need to continue to maintain um, the integrity of our network. Uh, In addition to that, I would say that the challenge for us as a railroad is that when we look at projects, we can't look at capital on a one-year timeline. Right. We have to look at it with more of a five to ten-year lens. And when that happens, what what you do is that even in a period like this year where volumes are lower, we're involved in multi-year expansion projects. So we do have a few of those projects that we are continuing to move forward. Um, we think it's the right thing to do, again, to position ourselves to be able to say yes in the future for customers. Um, so maybe just a little bit about some of those projects that, that we're focused on now. Um, we are In April of this year, we um, in-serviced a fourth main track in Winslow, Arizona. And um, the value of the fourth main track in Winslow, Arizona is that it is a crew change point for us on our southern transcon. It allows us to be able to handle different profiles of freight, meaning we can handle grain trains, high-speed intermodal trains, all through the terminal and make crew changes, do inspections without impacting the velocity for any of our customers. And so um, while we're particularly excited about this project is uh, we now have uh, that kind of capability at every single one of our crew change locations across the Southern Transcon. And so this is a perfect example of an investment that the NSF likes to make, which is it's an investment that benefits all of our customers across the board. Um, and so that's just an example of a, a project that we began, a multi-year project that we thought was important to complete, even in a year where the, the, the volumes would, would maybe not say that, that it was necessary. And I think what played out is a perfect example. Now we're handling peak-like volumes across our, our Southern Transcon, and it's an investment that we were in position then to be able to help our customers. Do you see any specific projects related to the pandemic uh, that could come up in 2021 and beyond? We believe that we will continue to see growth in um, the parcel business, in 
the truckload business, international business. So we will continue to um, invest in our network for that. Um, we are in the process of adding additional main track actually along our transcon. So, so we're in the process of adding 50 miles of track along the Southern transcon. And um, as you know, um, over 99% of our transcon is double tracked. What this will do is give us additional track in a key part of our transcon that will give us not only additional capacity, but it'll give us additional recoverability in our network. So um, where we have service potential for service interruptions in Kansas City, Chicago, um, this gives us the ability to, to run around service interruptions and really deliver the kind of service that that intermodal um, customer really requires um, and, and really sets us up nicely to be able to um, deliver that kind of service that, that we believe will be so critical in the future, um, pandemic or otherwise, as, as people make the, the transition to online retailing. Uh, in terms of power, is that something you're looking into? I would say, Mary Beth, right now we are uh, appropriately sized in our locomotive fleet. We um, have what we need right now, and we certainly have the ability to grow with our customers. We have the capacity to grow with our customers. And so we would say that, that we feel very good about where we are. Um, our, we have a young locomotive uh, road fleet. And uh, we do not have any immediate plans for, for additional acquisition of locomotives at this time. One thing to touch on, embracing advanced technology, that's something that BNSF has always done. Uh, for example, whether that's machine vision systems, artificial intelligence on the wayside detector network, where do you see technology expanding in the future? And how do you handle also with all this data, data security? When we look at technology, we look at technology um, through the lens of does it improve safety for our employees or the communities we serve or the freight that we move for our customers? Um, does it improve asset utilization? And, and does it generate either uh, ease of doing business or improved capacity and service for our customers? So that, that's how we start as we think about where we make capital investment. And so um, you're correct. We have spent a uh, uh, significant investment over the last several years putting in wayside detectors, machine visioning systems, um, and we're working now with artificial intelligence as well. And uh, where I would say I see the future of this would be, um, well, let me maybe use an example that I think is indicative of, of the future and where we're going with this. So we use machine vision systems to look at wheels as they move across our system. And every day we get 750,000 images of wheels um, and, and what happens is we use the machine visioning technology to, to collect those, those images. And then we now have artificial intelligence that can quickly sort through all of those images and detect where there's an issue. And when, when the artificial intelligence then detects that there's an issue, it sends an alarm to a desk with mechanical employees in our network operations center that's manned 24 by seven. And these employees understand how to look at this They'll then diagnose what it is that they're seeing. They'll make a call then as to whether or not we need to stop the train immediately, radio to the engineer and the, the conductor, do we need to stop the train immediately because of a cracked uh, wheel? Do we have a flat spot on the wheel? Do we need to go on to the next point and cut out a, a bad order car? Or can we go to um, destination and be proactive about a wheel change? And so I think that's a good example of how we're using machine visioning technology with artificial intelligence to take large amounts of data and then give us a predictive, um, a predictive 
piece of information that allows us to, to do the right thing. Now, with all of that said, we're, we're, we're having good success with that. We're going to continue to look at where we can roll that out across our system for, for additional components uh, on equipment. But I would say, um, as great as the data and artificial intelligence is, it takes really good people to understand what to do with it. And I think that's important because you get a lot of data um, and what, what we need to have are talented people, again, back to our talented people, um, that know how to railroad and know what to do with the information to really make an impact and make it actionable. In terms of data security, I'm curious what your, your approach is here. Absolutely. Well, uh, I would say it is a continual battle <laughs> for all of us, right? Sure. And um, we have continued to invest in resources um, and um, network security, as well as attract talented people to our railroad that have worked outside of the rail industry, um, as well as working with uh, folks that have grown up at the railroad to be able to put together a program around um, uh, security. That's certainly you know, been our approach. Um, sure. and, and I would say that as we look at capital investment, it's an area that on, an, on a regular basis, we, we continue to make investment, uh, increasing investment going forward. What do you see as the impact of the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement? Um, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that. Our business, uh, as with many, many businesses, uh, um, we are um, significantly, we, we significantly depend on trade. Um, over 40% of the units that we move on our railroad, whether it's a carload, uh, intermodal equipment, over 40% of them um, are directly associated with international trade. And um, trade agreements like NAFTA have been critical to that. And I would fully expect that uh, USMCA would um, be a refreshed version of that, that that will drive the same growth for us. So we think it's important because um, it gives us the opportunity to develop creative solutions for our customers. And um, it also gives um, you know, the United States the ability to be competitive in the world market. So um, for us, we, we would envision, Mary Beth, that, that that would continue to drive um, opportunities for our customers and then, and then opportunities for us. What would you say has been your greatest accomplishment, Katie, at BNSF? Uh, you've spent your career there. Is there one particular um, thing that you would say stands out for you? I would say that I hope that my greatest accomplishment is yet to come. <laughs> um, and and I, I want my greatest accomplishment to be ensuring that every BNSF employee has the opportunity to um, develop to their full potential and to have the resources and the opportunities that I've been afforded through my career. Um, our culture at BNSF is a culture that is focused on development. It's focused on giving people resources to reach their potential. And I'm a product of that system. Um, and I feel incredibly blessed that I'm now in a position to make sure that that happens um, for our employees uh, well into the future. What is your greatest challenge now as you, you take in, go into this role and step into these shoes? Well, I think our, our greatest challenge continues to be change and the speed with which things are changing. Um, you know, we will um, adapt, certainly. We will look at the environment and the economy and what's going on, and we will, we will change. We have proven um, over 170 years that we've had to adapt to change. It's the reason that I talked about we're still relevant. 
we've, we've demonstrated that we can do that. Um, you know, in my previous role as uh, Executive Vice President of Operations, you know, we have been through now uh, flooding last year with our railroad. We are now working our way as a country through the pandemic, and we often talk about that we know how to do hard, and um, we've demonstrated that we, that we know how to do that. And so that's certainly our, our biggest challenge, I believe, going forward. So we'll, we'll follow our business model and we'll adapt and um, we'll adapt for our customers and we'll adapt because it's important for the economic future of the United States. What are you looking forward to most now? Well, I am um, humbled and honored to be asked to lead this incredible company and um, to work alongside, um, you know, I've worked alongside these men and women, these hardworking men and women of BNSF for, for nearly three decades now. So um, Carl has done a, a, an incredible job of positioning our company for future success. And I look forward to continuing to lead us through the various business cycles to continue to drive productivity and efficiency and a good cost structure. And most importantly, to uh, deliver the kind of service that our customers have come to expect from the NSF. And so as I think about the 170 year history um, of our predecessors, and I celebrate last uh, month in September, the 25th anniversary of, of BNSF, what I'm, what I'm most looking forward to is working alongside our leaders here at BNSF to really shape the legacy of BNSF for the next 25 years. As you said, you've worked with a lot of people. Has there been an influential person in your career that you can uh, can mention and perhaps maybe they've given you advice in, in what you can be doing going forward? Since I've grown up here, I can say for a fact that um, every single person that I've worked for, I have learned something. And every single person that I've worked with, I have learned something. If I think about formal mentors. Certainly Carl Ice um, was a formal mentor. I was actually assigned to Carl as a mentee. Um, and he, he was a formal mentor for me uh, for a period of time. And then we maintained that uh, relationship and an informal mentee mentor basis going forward. And so he certainly has uh, been very impactful in preparing me for the role that I will take on in January. And then I would also say his predecessor, Matt Rose, uh, Matt and I worked together beginning at the Burlington Northern, and, and Matt uh, has certainly been influential in my leadership development as well. So I just appreciate the opportunity um, to talk about BNSF and our great people, and, and I feel honored that you all asked me to do it. So thank you very much. Thank you, and congratulations again. We really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks, Mary Beth. That's it for this edition of Rail Group On Air. Our sponsor for this podcast has been Trinity Rail which continues to be your premier provider of integrated rail transportation products and services. From rail car leasing and manufacturing to maintenance, parts, and much more, Trinity Rail remains ready to deliver targeted solutions to meet any rail transportation requirement. Call Trinity Rail at 1-800-631-4420 or go to trinityrail.com to learn how the company can help solve today's problems and better prepare you for tomorrow's opportunities. Today, more than ever, Trinity Rail is built to deliver. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Thank you for joining us and have a safe day.